Hello and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast. My name is Shabazz and I am one of your hosts. Alongside me on this Comic-Con panel, uh, spoiler alert for our topic of the show, is uh, of course the one and only famous uh, comic book artist uh, who I believe first ever drew Spider-Man, Anthony Gaylardia. Anthony, how are you? I am well. How are you? Are you shutting down right now? What was going on? <laughs> yes, that's my uh, robotic voice. No, I'm doing well. I'm doing doing very very well. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad like to hear that. Week. Uh, and on my other side of here, of course, uh, still virtually though, uh, the man who's always lining up for Hall H for at least six months in advance when they keep telling him, "Sir, stop lining up outside here." Daniel, Daniel, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. Oh, we're all t- shutting down. You're taking a page <laughs> from Anthony there. Yeah, you know, I was like, I just want to be exactly like the the first person to draw Spider Man and just kind of shut down on air. So Wait, that's what I did. If I drew Spider Man, like, how old am I? I didn't, You're I didn't, 107. I, I never said you drew the Spider Man from Marvel. I just said you drew a spider with the head of a man on there, and that was probably, oh. that was probably like in grade one or two. You drew that. Okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, though. yeah. I just yeah. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> I'm doing well, though. Thank you, Shay, for asking. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I'm excited for, uh, you know, our, our topic today is going to be about Comic-Con that's coming up here. Comic-Con at home, the first time ever. We get to feel like uh, we're we're there, but not there at all. So I'm very excited <laughs> for that coming up, you know? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's going to be different this year with everything being virtual, but... Um, hopefully we'll have some really fun announcements still. And I know, uh, some of the bigger companies have already kind of put out their own, like planted their own flags for their own, own events like DC and the Fandome mm-hmm. in August and stuff. But hopefully we'll have some really cool events still this week yeah. with, uh, Comic-Con at home. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so guys, as always, you can catch a new episode of the movie podcast every Monday across all your favorite podcast services. And if you want to be a part of the show and give us your comments, suggestions, corrections, you can head on over to thistimewith.com slash talk. And do not forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us an honest one. You know, let us know how you really feel. Uh, again, if you're really angry, though, and you don't like us, maybe wait a bit first. Talk to us, you know, you know, let, let it process through your head and then leave that comment because, Hey, we're, we're nice people. You know, we love you sort of. And uh, we want to make sure that uh, you have a great time listening to us. That's funny. And it's, it's funny. You just mentioned that because it reminds me of a uh, Metacritic this week too. Oh, announced yeah. that they're, uh, they're changing the way because a lot of times what happens is once a game comes out or a movie comes out, people start to, uh, I guess, review bomb it, which literally mm-hmm. just means they start giving it zero out of tens. Without and now they're actually seeing it. Yeah. Without actually seeing it. So now they're putting a delay on it. So please delay if you have things to say. <laughs> please think about it first. Yeah. We've got, <laughs> we've got a wife and kid, you know, so we, we got to feed them and this is how we do it. I'm going for the sympathy points here because we have none of that. <laughs> and the lies. <laughs> and the lies. All right. So we've got a couple of announcements. You know, as uh, as usual, we want to talk about some things that, are, that we're really passionate about and we love. And, of course, we have our commentary episodes still up. And hopefully we'll do another one soon. We've got Game Night up there, Sicario, and Spider-Man 2002, Mr. Tobey Maguire. Those are all up on our feed. So if you're ever watching those films on any platform go ahead and listen to our sultry voices sitting beside you as you watch those films uh of course we've got some important episodes up there as well one of our most important is the black lives matter episode if you want to know more about that 
please give that episode a listen. We have the wonderful Asha on the episode with us as well. And, you know, we really dive into a lot about black film and black history. Uh, we have Zack Snyder's Justice League Snyder Cut coming to HBO Max in 2021. That's also a great episode if you're always wondering what is a Snyder Cut, because I'm sure you've heard of it through the forms of the internet. And one of my favorite episodes as well, we have the interview with Kevin Lima, who is the director of a goofy movie, Tarzan Enchanted and more. There's a lot of great episodes in our catalog. And of course, this is episode 68, so close to episode 69, which is a great number as well. So you nice. know that, uh, yeah, so you know that that uh, we've got a lot of great episodes in the catalog. Somewhere, you know, even we don't hate Anthony and somewhere we don't hate Daniel and most of them are we don't hate me. So, you know, great episodes. So let's jump into our mailbag. Now, do I do the sound still? Do I do the the, the creepy? Uh, I, I think we should. I, I think, think you should do yeah, it. Lead it off for us. mailbag for so long. Okay. Yeah. Our mailbag is <laughs> full of cobwebs. Really oh, my though. God. Like, do it really creepy. But I feel like that's you, though. Like I feel like you do it too creepy. You, know? you do some Hannibal Lecter stuff when you when it comes on. But I'll try. Okay, with those lips. Oh, oh, <laughs> God! ASMR podcast. <laughs> I don't like it at all. This is all so awful. <laughs> Most people have turned off their cars by now. Not even like oh, the, no. not even the radio. They just turned off the car. Yeah, and then pulled over to the side of the road and just started walking toward it. <laughs> so we've got a question here from Mike from Chicago, from Shaft City. Shaft City. Uh, so hello, movie podcast crew. With Comic-Con at home happening this week, what are you hoping to see get revealed? For me, I would love to see some surprise drops online. New Mutants, maybe? Thanks so much. Big fan and hope you're all staying safe. Thanks a lot, Mike. Uh, I'm going to assume that when he says... Uh, uh, some surprise drops online for New Mutants. I, I would assume New Mutants may be <laughs> finally coming online for us to watch. Because <laughs> uh, does this movie is this still a movie? That's, I guess that's my it's, question. It's a it's a plague at this point. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think uh, who knows? I mean, they've been they've been having a big push for uh, for this movie at Comic Con at home. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're figuring out something. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to get my hopes up either, but it'd be really cool if they self-dropped it and just be like, yeah, it's on whatever streaming service now or it's on video on demand now. You could watch this movie Mm -hmm. because the way the states and the world is looking right now, I do not think theaters will be opening up in time for this. Mm -hmm. No. So, so Daniel, Um, what are you hoping to see get revealed? Uh yeah, surprise drops would be would be dope. Obviously, um, I was looking through our our, our like uh, the our Instagram feed from last year around Comic Con, and I was looking at the video we made for uh, all the new trailers, and I'm like, oh my god, there were so many movie trailers dropped at Comic Con last year, and I'm just hoping that we see some new footage for movies this year. Maybe I mean, it's it's hard because so many of like every obviously with the climate of the world right now, but um, I'd love to just see trailers and all honesty. Show me, show me why to get excited to go to a movie theater next year. If we're going to make it to next year, who knows, but just give me, <laughs> just give me some, just give me something to look forward to. Cause I feel like it's been a while since we've seen uh, like a major trailer release. Right. Probably the last time we got like major, major trailers was closer to the time of the Super Bowl earlier this year in February, which feels like 17 years ago now. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just want, I just want some like major trailers, especially with all these major films releasing in the second half of this year. Let's hopefully see what they look like. Yeah. 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 Anthony, what about yourself? For me? Yeah. Same thing. Just some, some new footage of some movies that are, you know, 
venture to come out hopefully next year. Um, you know, get some Batman, some some video of Batman doing something. I don't know. Even like if he's just putting on his suit, something, yeah. something. <laughs> um, even if we could see a little bit of the Disney Plus content that they have for the coming um, year would be great too. I know mm-hmm. we have Captain Mar- uh, Winter Soldier and, and, and the Falcon. That was yeah. pushed back, but they have some footage you know, out there. We saw a trailer during the Super Bowl and... Man, I'm just, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what movies are supposed to come out next year to write a trailer. I'm like, did they even shoot yeah. anything yet? Uh, but yeah, like anything at this point that they reveal at the show is going to be a surprise and delight for me. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. If I had to get maybe, you know, specific, I, I think I'd, and you might be surprised by me saying this, but I think I'd want to see some Avatar 2 footage. And the reason why I say wow. that is because... Because I'm just, I just want to know, like, what is going on? I want to know what Mr. Cameron is up to. He hasn't made a film pretty much since then, and yeah, it's just this, it's just this weird place. He makes these movies. He's invested so much money. Avatar two uh, has been in production for, I think the better part of like 80 years. Most people that were born during Avatar 1 are now in high school probably. So I, it's it's a pretty crazy time. And uh, I I would love to see, because I know that they went, I think they went back to filming or... They did, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's just, he, he, he he's famously shown off the first Avatar film at Comic-Con. So why not show some more footage, at least from your next film or the next seven that he's making of Avatar? I, I would just, I'm just curious to see, you know, technology wise where, where he's gone. Cause as, as much as I, you know, am not like the number one fan of Avatar, I, I do appreciate the technology that went into that film. I think it's one of the best looking movies out there. And if I ever want to demo my TV, my OLED, I would definitely put on Avatar to kind of give that experience. I'm surprised that hasn't come out in 4K yet, especially yeah. with it being on Disney Plus. Like, but it still looks great, screen. though. It still looks great. Oh, in it HD. does. Yeah. I'm sure it's just Cameron being like, "Yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it." Okay, like relax. We still don't have a version of True Lies yet, so Cameron yeah. definitely no, takes his time. Yeah, I wonder yeah, if it's for like sure. the editor that has to remaster it in 4K. Right? I believe that's how it works. Like the editor who edited the film usually would then re like not remaster but like process it so it's 4k enabled right but i feel like there's a lot of companies now but there's a lot of companies so i was just gonna say there's a lot of companies now that just pretty much offer that to hollywood studios the 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 basic conversion to 4k or the remastering like i know there's a lot of um, uh, movies coming out in the next couple of weeks from sony that just kind of went through the whole process so it's a it almost seems like there are places that can just do it. And obviously Cameron being one of those people that needs to be heavily invested in the process probably just hasn't had the time yet to sit down. In right. fact, before I even get Avatar in 4K, can we just get True Lies on Blu-ray or, you know, yeah. or digital at least? That's I, I've been dying to watch that movie again properly. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because like obviously movies are mastered at like a super high resolution. So basically what a lot of these companies like like studios do is they'll work with companies like Shea said that will convert the original uh, finalized film print version of that movie 
or digital version of that movie and convert it for 4k home release. And a lot of directors like being part of that process because a lot of things could, a lot of things change once you start messing with the different resolutions of movies, colors Mm. look different. Um, Aspect ratios could change. So a lot of directors like being involved in that. And I know Nolan was involved with his 4k transfers. So Mm -hmm. Hopefully, uh, Cameron will get to that those Avatar that Avatar 4K and True Lies maybe in the next thirty years. Who knows? <laughs> you know what else I'm looking forward to? What the Matrix? Hopefully, there's like oh, a yeah. really quick teaser or like a plot line of what that movie is about. Just something. Yeah, it'd be nice. Something. Yeah, so, even if you use font or something like text. Maybe. If so we, Shay, I'm <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say I'm seeing True Lies is available to stream on Stars. Yes. In HD. Yeah, but it's but for some reason so not weird. available to buy. Very strange. And and I you know what from what I understand, Daniel, that HD version of the film is coming from a DVD rip from back in like 2002 or something. So I oh, don't know. Wow. How, I don't know how true of an HD copy of that film is. So. It's an odd film to not have in a yeah. much better resolution. I don't How get do you it. Know that though. How do you know that information, Shay? Shay Shay's gone I have deep spent into this. a lot of time on because I'm like, wait, why? Why is there no true lies? So um, I hired a team. I spent a lot of money on this, <laughs> and uh, they're still giving me results by fax. That's how long I've been doing this. And, there uh, is a Spanish <laughs> Blu-ray of True Lies available. Oh yeah, uh, the, that just just came out. Uh, <laughs> that just came out uh, June 10th of this year. So yes. if we ever head to Spain, we got to look for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll add that to my list. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Comic-Con. I mean, we're going to go deeper into Comic-Con because this episode is all about the con. If you've ever wondered what Comic-Con is, because it's one of those things you probably hear about a lot, but you hear, oh, there's a New York one. There's a San Diego one. We're, we're going to dive into it all today and definitely give you some more information before we before we jump into anything else we do have some sad news coming up and we have kelly preston who's the actress in space camp jerry Maguire, and for the love of the game dying at 57 this is coming from um <clears throat> this is from kimberly nordic and that's from the hollywood reporter so Kelly Preston, the actress who starred in such movies as Jerry Maguire, Space Camp for the Love of the Game, and most recently opposite her husband, John Travolta, in Gotti, has died. She was 57. Preston died Sunday after a two-year battle with breast cancer. Travolta wrote on Instagram, it is, a, it is with a very heavy heart that I inform you that my beautiful wife, Kelly, has lost her two-year battle with breast cancer, he wrote. She fought a courageous fight with the love and support of so many. My family and I will forever be grateful to her doctors and nurses at MD Anderson Cancer Center, all the medical centers that have helped, as well as her many friends and loved ones who have been by her side. Kelly's love and life will always be remembered. I'll be taking some time to be there for my children who have lost their mother. So forgive me in advance if you don't hear from us for a while. But please know that I will feel your outpouring of love in the weeks and months ahead as we heal. Yeah, this is a. Uh, I mean, it's very sad news. Um, there's there's a lot that 2020 is is doing for you know, the world in terms of this this these awful deaths that have been occurring. It, it's and I think they're they're highlighted further because of the fact that we're we're sitting at home and because so many people are dying from COVID. We keep hearing about actors and actresses passing away, and almost our first reaction is okay. 
is this another COVID case? But, you know, knowing that Kelly Preston, you know, she had breast cancer and a two year battle is a long one, you know, that's, that's, she, she fought hard and it's, it's so sad to see her go, but you know, John Travolta, he's always been a very, you can always say he's been a very good person, like good hearted. So it's nice to know that at least when it comes to their kids, he's going to be there for them. Uh, do you guys have anything you wanted to add for that? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's go ahead, go ahead Anthony. Okay. Go ahead, Dan. Um, no, it's, it's, it's so sad. You know, it's, it's been something that, you know, we don't always cover um, these stories in tr- on the movie podcasts, but you know, it, it just seems like the last uh, few weeks, every episode we're we're starting with these and, it, and it's so sad to see and especially um when it is a two-year battle and it is cancer and um i just hope that we could one day live in a world where cancer is not something that we have to worry about mm-hmm. uh, but until then you know these things will keep happening and it's so sad and mm-hmm. obviously we send our love to the travolta family and yeah it's it's just so it's so sad um, yeah. Anthony, Anthony, sorry about that. Yeah, no, I was gonna say the same thing. Just super, super sad. These past few weeks have every every week. There's like someone notable in Hollywood is passing away. Um, Kelly Preston, you know, this tragic and shocking death that came out of nowhere. Um, yeah. I didn't even know she was battling cancer, and you know, I always had a crush on her growing up, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like it's just I can't, I couldn't believe it. I was super shocked. I'm like, man, I did not expect this person to just pass like that. Um, but yeah, um, I, like this whole week has been a crazy week with people passing away. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and in more sad news, uh, Grant Imahara, host of MythBusters and a White Rabbit Project, has died at 49. This is coming from Abid Rahman and Katie Kilkenny of The Hollywood Reporter as well. Grant Imahara, an, electri- an, ah, an electrical engineer and robotic- roboticist? No, oh, I didn't know that was a word. Roboticist, yeah. Roboticist, who hosted the popular science show MythBusters and Netflix's White Rabbit Project has died. He was 49. Imahara joined discoveries mythbusters in its third season and was with the show until 2014 when he left with co-hosts carrie bryan and uh, tori belichie for netflix's white rabbit project in his nine years at lucasfilm he worked for the company's thx and industrial light and magic or ilm as it's mostly known divisions in his years at ilm he became chief model maker specializing in animatronics and worked on the George Lucas Star Wars prequels, as well as the Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, Galaxy Quest, Triple X, State of the Union, Van Helsing, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, AI, and Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. So another sad dad. I I I never was um I never watched much Mythbusters. It was just an episode here or there that, you know, people would say, Oh, you have to go watch this episode. Um, but to know his um I guess impact in the in the movie making business, especially when his name is attached to so many amazing and well known films. It's it's definitely a very sad loss, and also a very young age. So that's a that's and I know I've been seeing on the internet people have been very torn about this one too, in terms of how shocking and sad it was. So uh, Daniel, I know that you you I think you do watch MythBusters. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I, I was a huge fan of Mythbusters growing up, just seeing the, all the contraptions and the things that they would build just to kind of prove these myths. And especially, I especially loved when they would have like their movie focused episodes and be like, if this was to happen, like if this happened in this movie, can we, does this actually mean it would happen in real life? And Grant was such a amazing part of that show. And to obviously, to obviously see his, um, his work with ILM and Lucasfilm. I remember seeing him like in the, Star Wars prequel documentaries of like of the making of the movies. He actually was the technician who controlled R2D2 in Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Like mm. he was the one who piloted him. And it's just crazy to see like not only his kind of uh his fandom from Mythbusters, but what he did for film behind the scenes. He's such a talented dude. Um and yeah, this is another one that was super shocking to hear, especially at such a young age. And um yeah i really respected his work and it's this this one definitely uh this one definitely hit me this week mm. anthony what about yourself yeah like I, I i didn't know much about uh grant but learning after the fact of all his contributions to the films that i love um another tragic loss it's it's so sad that mm-hmm. you know, we have another person who was such a huge part of hollywood and he, you might not have known him face to face, but he built all these amazing things and he hosted different shows that were huge. And um, again, another, another miss that we're going to, we're going to need in the future or what, what that person was going to bring in the future. We're going to lose, but hopefully, you know, what he, his contributions will continue on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, going further, we have more news now on Naya Rivera. Uh, since she was Santana Lopez on Glee, has been declared dead at 33. This is also coming from Abed Rahman and Leslie Goldberg of The Hollywood Reporter. Um, Naya Rivera, who played Santana Lopez on the widely, widely popular Fox musical series Glee, was declared dead Monday. She was 33. The Ventura County Sheriff's Department said that the actress went missing Wednesday after going boating in Lake Peru, California, with her four-year-old son, Josie. After her son was found on the boat alone, authorities initiated a search for Rivera, led by a team of divers. The Ventura County Medical Office, <clears throat> sorry, Medical Examiner confirmed Rivera died as a result of accidental drowning. After starting her career at the age of four on CBS's short-lived comedy Royal Family, Rivera broke out in 2009 on Ryan Murphy's mega-hit Glee. With the show since its pilot, she stated she started out in a recurring guest role as a snarky cheerleader, Santana, before being promoted to the full-time cast a year later. Santana became a fan favorite after diehard Glee fans picked up on the chemistry between Rivera's character and ditzy fellow cheerleader Brittany, played by dancer Heather Morris. The couple dubbed Britanna would become icons for lesbian representation on television as Rivera, along with the rest of the central Glee cast members, rocketed to stardom as part of a worldwide phenomenon. Um, I, I, I dabbled in Glee with just a few episodes here or there. Um, being as someone from high school and loving to do high school musicals when I was in that in that time of my life, so um, I remember her character, and it's uh, I just remember when this story first started to come out, how haunting it really was because all we were reading were that her son was on a boat and they couldn't find her, and it everything about it just seemed very eerie and 
it's it's so sad to see what happened. I kept kind of hoping and hoping that she would just maybe have drifted or or flown, um, not say flown, but you know, swam maybe a bit too far from the boat and maybe ended up on a piece of land somewhere else, and she was okay. That's what I just kept hoping for. So to see this kind of be the result of it all was very very sad. Um, Anthony, what about yourself? Yeah, um, shocking. Another shocking death. This one was so tragic because her mm-hmm. her son was on that boat, and you know he fell asleep, and someone, you know, the I guess the boat was rented, and the person who came out to to the water realized there was she wasn't there, and her son said, "Yeah, she was swimming, and then she, you know, put me on the boat, and then she went back, and he was so young, he probably doesn't know." really what was no. happening and to 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 realize or maybe to to hear after that she like put all her energy to put her son on that boat so he could survive and then pass away like that is just so so tragic again mm. so shocking yeah. so shocking yeah yeah um, it's um it's again i know we're starting the show a little heavier this week than normally but I'm glad we're able to at least shine a light on the careers of these people because mm-hmm. uh, on because uh, they're huge parts of the entertainment industry and Glee was a phenomenon like no other at the time and I think right. it really it really hit especially after High School Musical became a phenomenon this was the perfect show to follow that up with and it seemed like every song ever people would be asking for oh let me hear the Glee version of this let me get a Glee version of that and. Obviously, um, the show has had its troubles with some of his actors before, but when you see this, um, it's so sad because, again, it's one of those tragic events that like you you never could really predict or see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, we we send our love to her family as well, and yeah, it's been a, it's been a very difficult week um, in the in the entertainment world and. Uh, we again, like I said, like I know we're starting things off a little bit heavier this week, but we appreciate you guys giving us the the platform to talk about it because I think it's important that we do. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into our news today. So a little bit more of a home, you know, close to home news. Cineplex will not open movie theaters for start of stage three in Ontario. This is coming from Chris Herhalt of the CTV News. So Canada's largest cinema chain says it's in no rush to reopen its theaters in Ontario. As provincial reopening guidelines appear to limit occupancy to only 50 patrons at a time, while stage three of Ontario's reopening guidelines will permit movie theaters in a wide swath of the province to open this Friday, Cineplex says it will not do so. We're still reviewing what's being proposed by the province, so as a result, we aren't in a position to open our theaters in Ontario on Friday, says company spokesperson Sarah Van Lang. While we are certainly excited for the day our operations can resume, our top priority has always been the health and safety of our employees and guests and ensuring that their time with us is safe, comfortable, and welcoming. Ontario's Stage stage 3 reopening guidelines state that the movie theaters are subject to an occupancy limit of 50 people excluding staff cineplex has 62 multiplexes in ontario um i i I just feel like maybe you know cineplex is waiting for toronto and you know the gta area to basically get to a point where there's stage three because as the rest of ontario is opening to stage three those those places don't really 
I don't know, they won't really be bringing in the money, I think, in terms of what's coming out. And also right now, with not that many movies out or really any movies out, and, you know, every week we're reporting that a film from 40 years ago is making the news in terms of box office. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's kind of hard for them to, I guess, invest all that money in opening up a movie theater. And they're aware that if they open up, they'll be taking a bigger loss in a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering you know, you're going to open up so soon. You're going to open up and what are you going to play? Like what, what are you going to attract your people to come and watch? Because everything that is currently um, being played in theaters are movies that you can literally own or rent or get at home. So it's almost like they have to wait for that movie that is going to come out to reopen again. It's, it's such a weird scenario for them because they don't have content to, to deliver to their audience. And it's it's also weird that they're not opening at all because Cineplex was so gung-ho about opening their theaters and making it safe for everyone. And it's strange that they don't they're not gonna open during stage three, even though they have like you know, sixty-two multiplexes, like one of them being open is gonna generate some money that you don't have at the moment. Um but Go ahead, Dan. Yeah. No, I was going to say, yeah, I, I agree with you, but it's also like if you're only allowed 50 people at a time inside of the building, part of that is half of that's going to be staff or maybe less than half of that's going to be staff. So they have to they have to balance out, I guess, the cost factor of what how much money does it take to run all the concessions, all the screens, all the power, pay the employees to be there versus the i guess the the money they would charge for tickets to make it i guess feasible or viable for them to stay open it's it's a, such a weird thing to think about but it's like they're probably having those conversations right now of kind of balancing like cost wise what's going to make sense is it going to make sense for us to stay closed and then kind of open big or open small mm-hmm. um I was talking to Sarah Van Lang on Twitter the other day, kind of like about Cineplex's reopening plans. And like, I was asking about the masks and everything like that, as we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Um, and j- just this week, again, she was telling me that like, yeah, like wherever masks are going to be mandated for public spaces, we're going to comply with that. So at least they're going to seem to implement that within their facility. But <laughs> yeah, like honestly, like, we would have been talking about Tenet today, in all honesty. This was this was Tenet weekend, and mm-hmm. it's original release date at least. But um, yeah, we're we're nowhere near close to being open right now in terms of um, kind of regular operations. And you know, every the states right now, especially uh, all California, just ordered all their theaters and public spaces to be closed, and we're seeing this trickle out again throughout all America with them going back to essentially phase one or to full lockdown because the virus is just spreading so fast there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, like I'm glad that Cineplex is thinking about, okay, yeah, we're not going to open right now. Cause I don't think it makes sense for them to, but it's just like, man, it just, it just makes me feel further and further away from watching new movies. We had some, like some hope because, you know, on the internet this week, there was news that well, what if you know movies opened internationally before they opened up in the states, which was great news. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but then you you start to learn that oh, well in China they're not they don't want to open up tenant because it's too long. So it's yeah. that's any another, movie over two hours over, they yeah. they don't want. And then now Canada not having um, Cineplex open because they just can't have that many people in the in in the venue. And then the states which you just can't open because you literally will get infected. Um, <laughs> it's it's not a good time for films to come out like at all. No, so you, you got to like utilize what you have because if you keep pushing back, you keep pushing back, you're going to be in 2021 in the summer. Yeah, seriously. You're going to be forgettable because all those movies that were supposed to come out in 2021 have to come out and it's just you just release it and take, you know, the L or or maybe you don't take the L. Maybe you succeed like Netflix. Netflix succeeds with their streaming service with a lot of viewers. Yeah. And just in terms of just having like having it accessible to everyone, right? Um, yeah, it's it's a very weird time and who knows what's going to happen with, with the movies that are scheduled to be released in August and New Mutants in September and of September movies and new mutants at the end of August. So like, who knows what's going to happen. I'm, I'm just like we had in March and April, those wave of movies changing release dates. I'm sure we're going to start seeing that in the next couple of weeks too of, Oh, this movie's releasing online. This movie's being pushed. This movie's being pushed. So we're bracing ourselves for that. I think. And for our next story, Netflix commits largest budget so far for the gray man. Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans star, AGBO's Joe and Anthony Russo direct Mano a Mano Espionage Story. This is coming from Mike Fleming Jr. of Deadline. So a freshman earnings report that saw it add 10 million subscribers during the pandemic. Netflix just has just said its most financially ambitious feature film so far. Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans are ready to star in The Gray Man. This is with AGBO's Joe and Anthony Russo directing the first blockbuster since setting the all-time global box office record with Avengers Endgame. So the intention here is to create a new franchise with a James Bond level of scale and budget upward of $200 million. The Russos will be uh, using the AGBO as their producing company, and the script was written by Joe Russo with a polish by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who scripted the Russo-directed Captain America and Avengers films. And they're also co-presidents of Story at AGBO. What do you guys think so far about this? Like, this is this is a lot of money and a lot of power (laughs) it's a lot of star power and it's a lot of money for sure uh it's interesting you know like seeing chris evans and ryan gosling in a movie together i think would be really cool and throwing the russo brothers directing i think this could be really really uh fun to watch but again it's just like man netflix is just burning money on talent right now because i feel like everyone like like we we said before, like everyone is throwing their opening their wallets to all these creators right now to kind of lock them down for the content for their platform, and you can't get bigger than the Russo brothers right now in Hollywood. I think in terms terms of their box office success in the last five years. Yeah, like they're they're hoping that this movie turns into you know a James Bond type of franchise because of the amount of books that are actually out on the gray man. Um, and I was talking to Daniel before we started the show and I was saying to him, man, I thought Chris Evans was going to stop acting and, and start directing. Cause that's, that's where he wanted, that's where his passion lies. But it seems like he's going to be acting even 
more now. <laughs> more. Um, but yeah, I'm down for it. Like I, I've not really seen a Russo film. I don't even think there is a Russo film that is not Marvel based. So this is going to be their first film that, or their first more modern film that we can actually um, kind of enjoy. That it's not Marvel associated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, looking forward to the action and the storyline that they take place. I might even pick up the book because. It looks intriguing. Kind of looks like a born supremacy type of storyline. Yeah, yeah. They have a movie. Um, they have they have that movie Cherry with Tom Holland coming out too. I think this year, which is like more of a smaller, um, a smaller film, but mm. it's I guess it's a totally different uh, scale from obviously yeah. Avengers Endgame and uh, Joe Russo wrote uh, Extraction. Did he not? Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Which is not something that I mean, you know. You want to brag about, I guess. Apparently, Extraction <laughs> is the biggest like movie on Netflix ever in terms of. Oh, we're gonna interest. we're gonna get to that. Yeah, we we'll get will to that, get man. to that. Spoiler alert! <laughs> so, just just more information about the Gray Maze. An action thriller set is a deadly duel between killers as Gentry, who's played by Gosling, is hunted across the globe by Lloyd hansen played by evans a former cohort of gentry's at the cia the green man turned into a best-selling book series and the expectation is that gosling will continue in multiple installments the project was developed years back at new regency as brad pitt james gray vehicle but it stalled the russos quietly have been developing it for years said joe russo on the film scale the intention is for it to be competitive with any theatrical and the ability to do that with gosling and evans is a dream for us the idea is to create a franchise and build out a whole universe with Ryan at the center of it. Um, we have all committed to the first movie, and that's got to be great to get us a second movie. These are master assassins, and Gosling's character gets burned by the CIA, and Evan's character has to hunt him down. We have a great working relationship with Netflix, and we go back almost 20 years with Scott Stuber. Uh, we formed AGBO to be an agnostic storytelling company where we figure out the best platform. And we think Netflix is a perfect place for this film. Um, it sounds really cool. And then, I mean, again, just like Anthony said, it, it's got a very born like vibe to it, but this is something that I'd kind of want to watch in theaters, I guess, you know, if it comes to Netflix and whenever it does come, I'm, obviously I'll be there. I'll be there on my couch. So, We'll see. Yeah. Well, you paid for it's it. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, exactly. you paid for it. You're funding this movie, Shay. Um, I I'm, I should be an executive producer, I'd say. <laughs> I just I just find that the name itself is kind of like the gray man. It just kind of feels like so like, like... I hope they change the name. It just sounds very just like like not exciting at all. Like literally no. just the gray man. It's like the Irish um, man. Yeah. <laughs> all superheroes, uh, by it, the way. Yeah, but it's interesting though that they... that. Russo went on to say that like they're an ag- agnostic storytelling company and we mm-hmm. figure out the best platform. Cause like I hundred percent when I saw this, I'm like, I'm waiting for the next couple weeks from now for that. Oh, Russo brothers have a first picture deal. First look deal with Netflix or something, but it seems that they may not be going that route. I hope not. I, cause I, again, I, I want to see their movies on the big screen and Netflix is very hit or miss with their big screen um, releases and it, it's not their fault. It's typically the theater companies that just don't want to play Netflix movies. So I, I can understand, but um, yeah, let's, let's see, let's see what happens. It's, but I agree with you. I, I want them to change the name because it's such a blah name. Yeah. 
It's like, oh, it's gray. Yeah, the gray man. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'll go watch that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our next story here is uh, Noah Centineo joins Dwayne Johnson in New Line DC movie Black Adam. Coming from good friend of the show. He doesn't know it yet, but we know it. <laughs> Boris Kit of the Hollywood Report. Boris Kit. Boris. So Noah Centineo, who broke out with uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, is joining Dwayne Johnson in, in Black Adam. New Line's Shazam spinoff based on the popular DC antihero, Wam Colet Serra, who directed Johnson in Disney's forthcoming Jungle Cruise, will be in the director's chair when the feature project goes before cameras, although with this pandemic, the timing is unclear. While storyline details are being kept in the dark, Black Adam focuses on the DC character that was originally created as the arch enemies for the hero now known as Shazam. Centineo, who will play Adam Smasher, a character who can control his molecular structure and is able to manipulate his size and strength. Hmm, sounds a little familiar. The character has appeared on screen before in an episode of the CW's The Flash. Uh, Black Adam is the second New Line DC collaboration following 2019's critical and commercial hit Shazam. The project is also expected to be a centerpiece at the inaugural DC Fandom, Warner Bros. own Comic-Con-style experience that will celebrate all things DC across the many platforms of panels, behind the scenes, and of course, reveals. This is looking to be huge in terms of DC fandom. I, I think we're going to see some serious surprises. I think DC is going to really bring it for what they kind of have planned. And uh, it really seems like they're focused. Now, when it comes to Black Adam, I don't even know how many years this has been in production or... I guess uh, we've been reporting on it, but it, let, let's see what happens. This is this seems like another step forward, um, and I, I'm all here for it. Daniel, what about you? Yeah, I'm excited. Obviously, this is uh, this has been something in the making for I feel like ten or fifteen years now. It feels like that yeah. Dwayne Johnson has been wanting to play this character, and obviously, he looks perfect for the role. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do with it. I, I'm a huge fan of Shazam. Um, I thought that that movie was just such a fun movie to watch and just be part of it. It's just such a fun experience. And I love that we, the three of us got to see it, uh, at our advanced screening last year. Like I just, I just remember that so fondly. Cause like Anthony was trying to, <laughs> Anthony was trying to buy a ticket for it, but it was, <laughs> I'm just going to expose it right now. It was sold out. So he ended up buying a ticket for another movie and just, came into to Shazam to watch yeah, it with us. And I remember there was this little kid that was crying because he couldn't sit in the theater. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> he came in. No seats, kid. Yeah, yeah sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> can't sit beside um, your friend today, punk. You can't do it. Uh, but no, I hope this is good. And honestly, this is just getting me more and more excited for DC fandom because it sounds like it's just going to cover everything we're looking forward to seeing mm-hmm. the first footage of the Batman with Robert Pattinson, mm-hmm. seeing suicide squad James, from James guns, whatever Batman video games are in the works right now, who knows? Um, I, it looks like it's covering kind of all aspects of DC and I'm really excited for it. And it'd be dope to see some, to see like Dwayne in his black Adam suit, who knows what we'll see if they just shot it in like Dwayne's backyard where he's in the pool, just hanging out, like, drinking tequila and just being the rock but he's wearing his costume i'd be down for that i just want to see it Mm. yeah the i'm it's an interesting um character to involve in a a, you know black like i guess the shazam type of environment and i i guess in the comic books he was some sort of he was connected to black adam um because he was accepted in a group 
that Black Adam kind of ran. So I'm interested to see where the storyline kind of takes place and how it looks um, and how it ties into the Shazam um, environment. But yeah, I like I like I like Black Adam as a character because he is a villain, but he's also a good person. So he's like, what do they call those types of characters? They're the anti-hero. Yes, anti-hero. The anti-hero. So I'm looking forward to, you know what's going to sound weird? Black Adam is going to be bigger than Shazam. Yes. Always will be. Because The Rock and plus the character itself, people are going to like more than the wholehearted Shazam character that's just doing good and he's you know that kid um underneath it all but black mm. adam he will be that character that takes off franchise wise mm. it sucks because when you get the rock in there he literally looks like black adam yeah and yeah he doesn't have to do much that franchise just like any other franchise the rocks in it's gonna blow up so quickly no you're right it's interesting though that like they said that Shazam won't be in the movie. I'm hoping they're just saying that as misdirection, because like it just seems weird that he won't be in it. I also think that there. I just have this weird feeling that there's a chance that like Henry Cavill could show up as Superman in this, because I don't think there's a way that Dwayne. I think Dwayne just wants Henry Cavill to be Superman because you see them like I've seen Dwayne like post pictures with Henry Cavill and stuff mm-hmm. and them hanging out. I know they have the same. Um, agents and everything too so it'd be it'd be dope to see like superman show up and fight black adam because i think that would put butts in seats for sure i think mm. it also could be a possibility that maybe the film is just a, just a prequel in, in in a sense of shazam you know we, we could be seeing a lot of what's happening because with black adam's character and then maybe towards the end of the film he we start to hear those rumblings about shazam kind of happening so i mean we'll see right who would be your yeah, ideal villain be- for this movie other than Black Adam being the villain, but like there's someone who's going to be a bigger villain that he will have to take down. Who would you want? My ideal? Well, I guess not villain, but I guess person that he faces would be Superman. But in terms of villain, I don't know. See, I can see that. I can see The Rock pulling that off. Yeah, yeah I could yeah, too. Easily come in and play that character. It's easily. just 100% cheapening the, the idea of Superman as an. Uh, as its own character on its own, because mm-hmm. you bring Cavill in, he's the greatest comic book character ever, mm-hmm. like a somewhat knownable character in you know Black Adam, right? I don't know. Yeah, seems uh, can't wait, can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited. Too. I'm excited. <laughs> Me too. And our last story for today is Kate Winslet to receive virtual Toronto Film Festival tribute. From Eden Blessing of The Hollywood Reporter. Now, Oscar-winning actress Kate Winslet received the 2020 TIFF Tribute Actor Award at the Toronto Film Festival, headed mostly online this September amid the novel coronavirus pandemic. Winslet's online-only tribute comes as her latest film, Francis Lee's Amonites, uh, in which she plays fossil hunter Mary Anning. Alongside Shusha Ronan is booked for Toronto's reimagined 45th edition in September. Um, I think really all that we can really say about this is uh, congratulations. I mean, that's uh, that's a huge honor. Kate Winslet has been around for so long, and she's a phenomenal actress. Um, and, you know, everyone will always know her as Rose from Titanic. 
Yeah, it's crazy to see like her career and like all the movies that she's done, all the nominations she has. I'm like, damn, she's only 44. It's like crazy. she's done so much. She's such a good actress. She's so mm. so good. Yeah, Anthony, do you have anything to add to that? Not really. No, I I didn't even know about this award till you read it. So <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, all right. The question I have is: Is she going to show up for it, or is it going to be you know digital? It's virtual. It's, it's virtual. all virtual. So if she shows up in Toronto, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. They're they're faxing her her uh, award. Yeah. Yeah, they're sending her a picture. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so new dates. Uh, we have Monster Hunter, which is moving from September 4th, 2020 to April 23rd, 2021. This is the video game based movie starring, um, is it Mila Jovovich is in it, I believe? Yep. Yep. Yeah. From uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. So another Directing. little, you know, um, Resident Evil kind of connection there in a way. Uh, yep. it, yeah, excited to see uh, what comes with this. I've never really played the Monster Hunter games, but I know a lot of my friends are fans of it. So excited to see what happens with that. Video game films, again, are a very touchy subject. So let's see. In terms of our trailers, let's jump into it. Trailers. 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 Okay. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony really didn't bring it today. That's no, fine. it didn't feel it. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know what? We should choreograph who goes every week one two three usually the host uh, one the uh, host goes and then whoever's hosting the next week should go so i yeah, i'll admit rules. i new i went rules. second <laughs> it's the same rules <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've had these rules for time i have them on my wall uh, at home <laughs> i have them tattooed on me <laughs> uh first trailer we got here is ted lasso coming to apple tv plus then we've got project Power coming to Netflix. Uh, Howard coming to Disney Plus. Of course, another New Mutants look, which I which I thought was a really really cool um, little teaser trailer or you know a little snippet that we got. I'm hoping again we see more at Comic Con, but I'm excited for it. And we have a Blackest King coming to Disney Plus. Anything you guys want to touch on from that? Uh, Project Power looked interesting. This is mm-hmm. coming to Netflix. This is written by uh, Matt Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. Who is also the writer of the upcoming The Batman, uh, mm-hmm. directed by Matt Reeves, uh, Jamie Fox, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? It's basically like a drug that you could take, and then each person has a different reaction to the drug. Mm-hmm. Um, you get like a superpower. Yeah, they got like superpower. This is a Netflix film. Um, I think the visuals look really cool for this movie. Like it didn't look cheap at all. Uh, sorry, Matt Tomlin was the uh, Matson Tomlin is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, was the writer? It has a very like cool like visual style to it, but it looks very Netflix as well. But we don't have too long to wait. It's coming out August fourteenth. Perfect. Um, I hope it's good. Yeah, yeah. For me, the New Mutants uh, trailer. Like, what is this? The ninth trailer? Yeah, to come out. The, um, a trailer for every year this movie is supposed to be out in. Just excited me more to watch it, and hopefully it gets released at some point in time because it's not coming out in August. Um, but yeah, like I don't know where they pulled this movie from, but it's looking better and better every single time I see it um, or see well, any that, footage from it. Especially, well, Andy, they've had a lot of time to work on this movie, so <laughs> literally, yeah, it's going to get better and better. Um, but yeah, Magic's sword that she has like her hand becomes a sword type of thing. It's, it's just looks fantastic. Um, and like, uh, the black, uh, black is King trailer for Beyonce's, uh, visual piece on, I believe the lion King. So it's like a, a 
visual album of her album, but shot uh, like a movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that too because it looked really, really, really cool. I like the art direction on it. Yeah. No. Uh, in terms of box office, uh, not really your traditional box office, but I guess the now future version of a box office, Netflix is already hailing the old guard as a record-breaking success. The project has reached uh, $70 million plus reach, and it's come from Ali Gamel of Collider. Netflix is already sharing data and insights to suggest the old guard is a massive hit with viewers at just one week after its release. The newest original to hit the streaming giant is already breaking records, says Netflix. The Charlize Theron blockbuster is already among the top 10 most popular Netflix films ever. And Gina Prince Blackwood is the first black female director on the list. The film is currently on track to reach 72 million households in the first four weeks. The Old Guard joins a mixed bag of Netflix originals in the streamer's top 10 movies, with numbers based on millions of households. Other movies in the list include Extraction, which was at 99 million, Bird Box at 89, Six Underground with 83, The Irishman with 64, The Wrong Missy with 59 million, and The Platform with 56 million. However, it's worth noting that Netflix's metric for these kinds of jaw dropping numbers is less than thrilling. As you've reported in the past, Netflix has noted in the fine print of their reports the viewership stats they chose to make public. Viewing totals are tallied by counting the number of subscribers who've watched at least two minutes of a movie or TV show. And this is kind of, I guess, my my issue with it all, because, yeah, for sure, you've reached 70 million people. But, I mean, two minutes is just the credits of a film. The opening Yeah, credits. if that. If Especially that. with how Netflix has autoplay and all that stuff, right? Like, I just mm-hmm. hovered on this movie. <laughs> and you and finished like, it. it. And it just, it just started playing. So, like, does that is that considered a watch? It just reminds me so much of, like, how like analytics work for YouTube and all that kind of stuff where it's mm. like, yeah, here's the amount of people who've watched it, but who's actually watched it. Cause like mm. other than like myself and like Anthony, like I haven't heard of, I haven't spoken to anyone else who's watched this movie. No, um, I haven't even seen it. Yet. Yeah. So it's just interesting how the metrics work, obviously not. And that's not to take away from the success of this movie. Amazing. Great job. Like it's great to see uh, Gina as well too, as the first black female director on the loose. That's that list on that's phenomenal. Um, but it's just, that's just the, the crux of it being on a streaming service is that we never really kind of know because Netflix doesn't release those stats. Who's actually watched this film. Mm-hmm. We know that they've seen two minutes of it but who's mm-hmm. watched it and mm. to tell you the truth who 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 reviews the netflix you know wait the strategy of netflix in terms of how they calculate that data you know they could skew it a bit we don't know because there's no you know middleman that actually manages that data and actually tracks it as a third party so it's not like biased to to a certain streaming platform Right. There's no there's no middleman that kind of tracks Amazon and Netflix and um, who else is Hulu and and so on. So I could see this like this whole system that we're seeing right now is going to be the evolution of how movies are going to be watched in the future. Right. So, Mm, yeah. What is this going to look like in the future? Are there going to be, you know, groups that monitor streaming service and what content is delivered and how many people actually watch it. 
like there are when it comes to the box office because theaters yeah. kind of report that number. They're the middleman in the sense of the studios. Also, what's really interesting with this too is that like just kind of like the way YouTubers and like even us like f- like full disclosure like we go to like when we approach different companies and whatever like you want to show them the best numbers. So if Netflix is looking to get more funding and get more money for their their debt that they're in to pay for more movies, mm-hmm. they're going to lead off with, "Hey, look how many people watch this in the first twenty four hours." And you got to finesse that, it a right? bit, you know. You know, you gotta you gotta give the good numbers. I can't yeah. believe ninety nine million people sat through, you know, extraction. Yeah, I believe maybe ten million watched it, and the rest watched that two minute part. Yeah, that's I, 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 I like, that's so. I don't know. I feel like that's that's not right. That's not how you should calculate a movie watch. You can't watch two minutes and say, "Yeah, I watched the film." That's yeah, because. Like, if you put that in box office terms, if you times that ninety nine million by like fifteen bucks a ticket, that's like one point five billion dollars. That's 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 a that's a huge box office success by those numbers, right? Right. Because how many time, how many people go to a theater and watch a movie for two minutes and leave? <laughs> no. like, like they watch it and then they stick with it because they paid for it. Could you imagine that? You're sitting in the movie theater and everyone just starts getting up after like three minutes. It's got to be an awful film that you paid 25 bucks to watch and we're just like, nah, I'm okay. But with Netflix, you don't feel that. You don't feel the $16.99 or however much you pay per month. So it's like, okay. Films. Also, when you when you watch movies at home, especially with Netflix, you you sometimes aren't even paying attention. You just kind of have it on the background. You got to wonder how many people actually watched these films or did they just kind of have it? And were they just maybe Netflix and chilling, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Let's get into what we're watching. Daniel, let's start off with you since it is your birthday. <laughs> it's not my birthday. <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> Don't open your door. Uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, I did not watch a lot this week at all. You know, mm-hmm. I started the week off watching Popstar Never Stop Stopping just because I was on that Palm Springs high. Of course. And I decided to uh, rewatch Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well, too, because I feel like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is always like a constant in my house as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of watching that as well. Uh, but what I've been really uh, wanting to like talk about this week is ghost of tsushima so i know we're all playing that game this week and i'm just absolutely adoring my time with it and you know the follow-up from the last of us part two is a hard thing to do but this game is really sinking its grappling hooks into me and um you know this game is set on the the japanese island of tsushima it's set uh takes place in the late 13th century and you're playing as a samurai who's trying to save his uncle and also fight off, uh, like, I guess, uh, like Mongolian warriors who are coming to take over the Island. Um, it's really, really, uh, like a captivating story so far. And it's in like this big, beautiful open world. If I could say anything, this game is absolutely stunning. It's the art direction of this game is probably one of the nicest I've ever seen in my entire life. It's absolutely great. Um, and I know you guys are playing it too. And what do you guys think of it? Yeah, I love it. It's, it's kind of like it, you know, this love letter to samurai films, um, in a game. And it's so beautiful. You're right. Like the, you know, when you go into, go to Japan, they, they love their, their Lotus flowers and, all these different colors and 
the art direction with the uh, I forgot what the the type of building that they have um, in Japan, but they're just fantastic architecture. I love this game, I, and it's hard to come from um, the Last of Us to this game because you start to pick things about this game that are like, no, this is not like The Last of Us. The storyline is not that great. And and we wish there was. And it's just like, it just says a lot about why The Last of Us 2 was such a great game. But this is such such a great game too. It's just the the story from Last of Us 2 is, it's so good. Like I'm I'm replaying Last of Us 2 right now and watching and playing it again, um, you you see so much. You see things that you did not realize. You see things that you did not see, and you see the characters' faces and their 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 mannerisms and how different points that you might have played when you played the first time you didn't understand. Now you do. Yeah, um, fantastic. But yes, Ghost of Tsushima probably the best kills that you'll see in a game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, samurai battles, man, they never look so good. Yeah, it's it's an absolutely gorgeous game. Have you guys been uh, trying to play it in the Kurosawa mode at all? Yeah, so I, I put on Kurosawa mode for a little bit, which I thought looked beautiful. But I was also just like, man, this this environment is so luscious that I want to see all the color. Yeah, and I want to see that HDR shine through. Um, I even put on like the Japanese audio with English subtitles. Yeah. Um, which which I thought was great, but there's so many things happening in the environments of the worlds that yes. I found that I w- I was I wasn't reading fast enough. So I'm I'm playing right. it in English right now. Yeah. But, um. I'm loving it. It's also it's such a phenomenal, phenomenal game, um, and I've been also playing uh, Paper Mario: The Origami King, which is exactly like Ghost of Tsushima. Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, this is this is a, a comedy uh, game starring Paper Mario. Really fun, really hilarious writing. So I've been playing that on the Switch, but that's pretty much been taking up my time this week. I haven't watched any other movies um, other than Popstar this week. Just been yeah. watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine and hanging out. Yeah, Anthony, what about you? So I've been watching Snowpiercer. I've actually completed the season. Really good uh, season-ending episode. So looking forward to the second season, which has actually already been shot, which is great. So there's not a long wait. We just don't know when it'll kind of come out. Um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Again, another true crime doc about the Golden State Killer. Another great watch if you're interested in true crime uh, Docs. It's on HBO. If you have Crave, please watch it. Perry Mason, another great show. Um, I love where this move, this show is going, and I hope to see more episodes. And I hope this kind of Perry Mason or this version of Perry Mason um, gets renewed for for many seasons because I love crime noir. And again, this is you know detective. You know, old 1930s, just that L.A. confidential feel to it um, that I really, really love. And I like to see in a series that is well produced. So I'm really happy about that. I watched The Old Guard. Um, I love the idea of the story. I just don't think it was well directed. Um, I thought it was really long and I didn't think the the characters were that special and I didn't really care for them. I do like the idea of, you know, mercenaries that you can't kill and they kind of, 
they're really, really old and they've survived so many years and they've kind of roamed the land helping people. But um, I don't know. It could have been better. That, that, that was just my take. It could have been better. This, this, this movie could have been better. Uh, Charlize Theron, always good. She loves her action. She's doing like, you know, jump, flip kicks and taking down people like MMA fighters and very similar to um, her last movie she did or her second last movie, the one with um, where she plays an assassin. Um, but I would say if you pay for Netflix, watch it. You, didn't, you, know, you can't hurt. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, I played Terminator 2 Judgment. I played. I watched Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, I haven't watched it in a very long time. And I thought, hey, you know what? We just came off our our uh, summer blockbusters. Let's put on Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Man, that movie's so good. It's just so good. It's it my never top gets 10. Old. It, never, it never ages. It's just a great film. You know, there are little nitpicks here and there, but all in all, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, the Lost World, Jurassic Park, I put that on. Um, I never really, you know, you watch Jurassic Park all the time and Jurassic World, but, you know, the, the Lost World never gets its love. And that was actually my first Jurassic Park movie in a theater because when Jurassic Park came out, I was too young to see it or my parents didn't think I should be watching dinosaurs rip through people. But uh, I I remember watching the Lost World Jurassic Park and the sequence with the Tyrannosaurus Rex in, I believe, San Francisco, Golden State area, as well as the sequence when they're in the jungle um, and the, the, the car is hanging over the cliff or the, the whole like train car system is hanging over the cliff and they're, they're on the glass. And I always remember the glass breaking and Julianne Morris, like every single movement she has, the glass would break even further and further. Um, I thought it like, I think it doesn't get the love it should get. Like, do you guys, it was a uh, San, San Diego. It was in San Diego, oh, yeah, not, San Diego, not San, yeah. San Diego. Um, what do you guys think of The Lost World? Like, I feel like no one really cares for it, but it's a good movie. I think Jeff Goldblum did such a great job as playing his character. And, and his daughter, who's a gymnast, who's just <laughs> fantastic. The raptor sequence in that was great. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fun moments in the movie, but I still think out of all of the Jurassic Parks, including Worlds, I still think it's my least favorite, but I still love that ending sequence in San Diego, and I love... Uh, I had a like I got a remote control car for Christmas that year from the Lost World Jurassic Park. I still have it, and like it's a little like Velociraptor that shoots water out the back, so it's so cool. Um, so I like this weird kind of like love for that for this movie because of that. It's still an enjoyable movie, and I, I love all the Jurassic Parks, believe it or not. Um, so I, I like I have a, like a, such a love for the work that I love dinosaurs. I think that's so cool. But uh, I yeah, them. I think out of all of them, I think it's the weakest, but it has a really great end sequence for sure. What have you been watching, Shay? So, kind of like Daniel, also, I, I didn't do too much in the movie department. Or, actually, no, now that I'm looking at my list, maybe I did. <laughs> didn't even realize. Um, I watched The Gentleman, finally, with um, by uh, Guy Ritchie. I really enjoyed it. I know, Daniel, you said it was one of your favorites from earlier this year. Or was it last year? I mean, it's, it's the only movie, really. <laughs> the only movie this year. I mean, I, I, I got to give it the credit that it, I, I guess it deserves, right? Um, but yeah, no, it was. I really enjoyed it. It was really funny. And uh, it really felt like old school Guy Ritchie, you know? So really enjoyed that factor about it. I'm probably going to watch it again 
soon, maybe. Who knows? Because it was actually really fun and light. Colin Farrell's so good in that movie. Too. Very he's he, so so good. That scene of him in the um uh like the I guess the, sh- the restaurant or shop or whatever like whatever you want to call it the and the oh, yeah kids when he's are, calling out the kids yeah, yeah yeah really good scene really good scene. Um, I watched Palm Springs again. I watched it with my girlfriend and my brother this time, and you know they loved it. That was really funny too. I finally got a chance to finish Modern Family, so I I I've completed season eleven and watched the finale and. I was severely disappointed by it. Um, I just, I don't, I don't think the writing could have been any lazier, and the the send offs had absolutely no emotional weight. Um, and I think Daniel, you might have mentioned this before, where it just seems like the sh- the show is setting up for a bunch of spinoffs, and that is literally the vibe that I got because it, it didn't feel like a proper finale, and so many characters didn't get their moment to shine, and so many designing, uh, sorry, so many character design choices that they kind of went through towards in terms of building their narrative just did not hit it for me. So uh, I was kind of disappointed by that. I would have loved for uh, just the ending of the show, just like to, it would have been really cool for them to really take the last, whatever, how many episodes Mm -hmm. and have an episode that's solely focused on the perspective of one of the characters. Mm -hmm. Just to give a proper uh, send off, because yeah, like I when I watched the finale earlier this year, um, even though I wasn't caught up with the show, I'm almost I'm like three episodes away from the finale again now, but it just felt like it just felt very empty to me, mm. and like these are characters that especially the first four to five seasons that I think the show is just was nailing it, and now it just from then on it just kind of felt like they became like tropes of their former selves or or, or archetypes of their former self where it never mm. really felt that they were evolving in any way it just felt like they were in the same problem every week mm. and yeah i'm totally with you yeah so i mean now that you're three episodes away do you kind of feel like oh this is leading up to finale or do you just kind of go yeah what's going on yeah it's just like oh okay this is happening like it just i just feel like everything in that show is just like oh claire's yeah claire's gonna quit her job today yeah. or yeah you know what i'm going on a cruise around the world like it's just like such nonchalantly brought up we're just like oh those are kind of like life-changing things that are just just like yeah whatever it's happening yeah, no big deal exactly we're okay that. um i watched die hard um it was just in the mood for it i i think die hard is just one of the best movies it's so funny so well written um alan uh, alan rickman and uh bruce willis just they feed off each other so well and overall there's no better movie than Die Hard when it comes to Christmas time as well for me. So I know it's not Christmas time right now, but I just love that film. Uh, I finally got a chance to watch The Devil Wears Prada. I've never seen it, and uh, my girlfriend really likes that film, so she's like, uh, "Let's let's let's put it on." I'm like, "Okay, cool." I, I hear so much about it, and let's see. And I honestly really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun, and um, it was. Uh, it, since it's a very early 2000s film, it really has that vibe, and it is a is a time of a more peaceful place than what we're living in now so i really yeah. enjoy, i really enjoyed it and obviously great ghost, movie yeah ghost of tsushima as well so that that game i can't get enough of right now shay who's the villain of devil wars prada though the real villain the the viewer <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't. I, I. You know what? It's funny because going into the film, I kept hearing that you know Meryl Streep is just the most awful person in this movie, and I don't know. Maybe it's age or whatever it is, but some of her reasoning kind of felt justified in a way. Sure. I, I, I don't know if I sound awful saying that, but she no, just, no. 
she didn't seem all that bad to me. It just seemed like, oh, she's someone who's super powerful. She has all of this X, X Y, and Z. So, well, what? I mean, she kind of has the right to be the way that she is. Sure. It's and for for me, like it's her boyfriend, man. Her boyfriend. Anytime she gets any sort of like advancement at work, Adrian, Adrian, uh, Adrian Grenier, whatever. Yeah, yeah, from uh, Entourage. Like Entourage. he's just he was he was kind of a big piece of shit in that movie. He, you know, in, in the beginning, I kind of I kind of like not empathize. Yeah, maybe empathize with him. I was like, oh, you know, like you know, he's losing her because she's changing so much. But at the same time, he was kind of stuck in his own way. So I mean. Yeah, I guess if you had to pick a villain, I guess it would be him. Then you're right. Stanley Tucci's always great, though. Oh, he's a phenomenal actor, no matter what. Uh, let's get into our topic of the show. This is a, a really fun topic, and I think um, for people who have always heard about Comic Con, you know, this is going to be a really informative yet also, I'd say, fun episode about it. So. If you were to describe Comic-Con, Daniel, how would you describe it? Uh, it smells really bad. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You're, no. you're talking about uh, Comic-Con. <laughs> no, Comic-Con, no. So, we've been to conventions before, and obviously, that's um, the amount of people. Thinking about Comic-Con now and, like, in today's COVID world, though, it's just, it's just funny. I'm like, man, how did we ever allow that many people in one spot together? Um, but, no, Comic-Con is basically the meeting place and the the ground zero of pop the, culture comic the mecca, books the mecca, the mecca mm-hmm. of all things <laughs> superhero comic books and pop culture nerd culture everything from tv shows movies comic books uh they're announced here everything you have panels with celebrities you have uh, panels with movie studios where they announced their lineups last year we had our huge episode talking about all the new marvel shows and movies coming and we got a mahershala ali <laughs> announced as blade you know like we got like such like mega ton announcements year? here that was oh, last year that was a year ago i thought like it feels like it was like january yeah, right yeah. yeah that was that was a year ago i was looking at it, i'm like man natalie portman is coming back in thor as mm-hmm. thor like it's it's crazy to think like some of the like, these just nuclear announcements that are dropped here um and that's why like i'm excited to talk about some of our favorite moments from comic-con obviously we've never gone mm-hmm. last year we said we were going to go this year and oh, you know wow. what i'm saying we kept that promise because we, we are did. going to be at comic-con at home we yeah. kept our promise to ourselves <laughs> Um, but like there's there's so many announcements there's so many ways that comic-con is special and uh yeah just it's just such such a fun event yeah we've had a chance to go to you know our local co- conventions for film and comics which was uh the uh why am i blanking on the name fan expo. The, fan expo fan expo <laughs> that's it yeah we, we've had a chance to go there and i, I if if we've had a lot of fun there i can only imagine comic-con would just make us pass out in terms of the intensity that it is, you know, and the smell, the intensity of the smell, and the smell. Why do you have? Do you know the smell of Comic Con? I'm just curious. Listen, do you man, own a bottle of it. I got. I have. I have essence of Comic Con. Oh god, it's the worst pre-order incentive I've ever had in my oh, life. Oh god. Oh god. Oh <laughs> man. Uh, Anthony, what about you? What are your um, feelings around Comic Con? Um, I like it. I just don't like how it's so. Um, I guess secretive in a sense where you have exclusive? to be there to, 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 to watch. Yes. Exclusive to, 
watch these uh, these previews and these amazing releases and be able to purchase the merchandise and have access to all the thing cool things that you would get at a Comic-Con, uh, especially the, the Comic-Con in the state, San Diego. Is it San oh, Diego for sure. Comic-Con, right? San Diego Comic-Con, yep. So, like, there's a little bit of resentment in the sense of I don't like that part of the Comic-Con because I can't <laughs> go there and it's... it's You're excluded. Like, and excluded and you, you, tickets go on sale and you're sold out and all that. Um, but this year... I'm in going to enjoy it from my home and be able to see all the amazing things that you know you would normally be you would normally see when you're there, as well as have access to all the Comic Con things. Um, I think uh, access being the huge word there that like access, access to the merch this year, access to whatever trailers and everything they've come out. Obviously, we've had trailers from Comic Con release online. Um, the Suicide Squad one in 2015 always comes to mind because uh, it leaked and basically Warner Brothers was like, you know what, let's release this giant trailer on the world. And people got really excited off of that trailer. Yeah. I remember so so often during Comic-Con, you know, me, Anthony and Shay, like we'd scramble to try and find any type of footage online before it was scrubbed from the internet. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it was from the far left corner of hall h yeah uh it would just we'd we'd see it and we'd see it in awful pixelated quality and we would get so excited to see whatever trailer was dropping i'm so happy we don't have to do that this year i'm so happy <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> I'm like, why is there always one person with their phone out why isn't everyone recording this in 4k yeah um it's always like the the one person with the the two megapixel camera recording it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Who's recording this on a Motorola Razor right now? I don't understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's my take on Comic-Con. I love the idea of Comic-Con. I just wish it was more accessible. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so this year's Comic-Con will be taking place, you know, from home, which is, which is great. There'll be a lot of great panels. And I think what is synonymous with Comic-Con as well as always hearing about Hall H. You know, we, we hear so much about Hall H and we hear that, oh, that's where all that amazing surprise early footage will kind of appear. So I, I you know, I'm a huge fan of what this year's virtual Hall H is going to look like. Did they Have they said if it's going to be like still called that in a way? Uh, I just know it's called Comic-Con at home. Mm. Um I don't know. Like, honestly, like I've seen some of the panels that are, that are going to be uh, like announced Um, again, everyone's kind of holding back and doing their own type of thing right now with their, with their events. But I'm, I'm curious to see what this week is going to bring. I'm hope I'm just hoping that we're going to have some surprises. I think, and I think that's, you know, what they really like Disney and Marvel do that a lot with, you know, Oh, by the way, here's that one more thing at the very end. So, uh, I I hope this year we kind of get some more footage. I know recently we had some possible leaked footage from the Kong versus Godzilla film, which was supposed to come out earlier this year. So I feel like since we're getting closer and closer, we're probably going to see that. Yeah, it's very possible. Very much possible. So what about you guys? Like, Do you guys have any moments throughout Comic-Con history that really stand out to you and really just just resonate with you throughout all these years? Uh, For me, uh, it would probably be Batman versus Superman announcement. Mm. 
That was huge. That announcement, huge. and then the first, and then I think the year after, the footage of Batman versus Superman, where Batman's on the on the on top of the building with his um, bat signal, and he flashes it on, and Superman's in the sky waiting for him. Type mm-hmm. of thing. With, the, with the glowing red eyes. With the oh glowing my God, red eyes. And Batman is in his Batman or armor. And man, I remember when they released, when Snyder came out and said, and this was right after Man of Steel. I yep. don't know how many weeks or months. A, mo- a, mo- a month after, yeah. A month after. Because Man, Man of Steel opened up in June and then Comic Con was a month after. And he announced, yeah, we're making Batman versus Superman. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is fantastic i can't wait for it because i liked man of steel because of the way it was shot and and the and the storyline and it was more of a a modern look at superman and i'm like oh my, what what can he do with batman and then seeing that footage the year after and i scoured the the internet looking for this footage and you know <laughs> again finding it in pixelated form and i'm like why can't they just yep. release it why can't they just release it but I couldn't wait. It was shot in the rain. I'm like, oh my god, Superman's eyes are red. Batman's in his armor. This is just like you know the Dark Knight, and you know the whole premise being this is gonna be like the Dark Knight, but then not being the Dark Knight eventually. Um, but like the Dark Knight Returns, you mean? Yes, the Dark Knight Returns. Yes. Sorry, I was short forming it. Um, yeah, no, it's okay. And they even had like like Henry uh, Lennox come up on spit stage and like read the quote from the dark knight returns as well too and he's mm-hmm. like i want you to remember clark the one man who beat you and it's like oh my god and that logo appears and i just remember all of us just like freaking the fuck out of oh what it was happened. nuts i remember daniel you were messaging me and then we were like trying to dissect the the batman logo we're like oh it's it's a much bigger bat symbol what does that mean and it was like <laughs> it was like it's like now you look back and you're like man well how like how silly were we like but at the, at the end of the day we that's what we love. We love to dissect all that. We love kind that of speculation, you know. Yeah, I just wished it turned into kind of like a Dark Knight Returns film, mm-hmm. just because of the whole premise. And but then doing the Dark Knight Returns film, it couldn't have been what they wanted to do. No, with the whole you know, setting up universe, a universe, right? <laughs> Yeah. But I can't wait for that version of a movie to ever come out. Like I can't wait for the Dark Knight Returns to be a physical movie that we can actually watch and enjoy. Because that movie and that story, man, will look so great on the big screen. I think leading up to Batman versus Superman, regardless of what you think of the outcome, I think leading up to that movie, especially in the these early years, was some of the most anticipated I've ever been oh, for a movie. Mm-hmm. Even more so than Justice League, to be honest, because um, obviously Justice League came after all of this and when DC was kind of in the dumps in the last couple of years, but leading into it and then seeing the set photos, seeing the official release of Ben Affleck in the suit and seeing the Batmobile. And then I remember a year before this movie came out, um, we went down, we went <laughs> downtown to watch, uh, literally a 30 second trailer yeah to, in the theaters and we got posters which i still have up in my room me too um for batman vs superman and just seeing that extra footage literally the only the trailer had already leaked online at this point but the only extra footage that they showed was the scene of batman and superman running at one another and i remember <laughs> our theater went bananas i remember when you guys went to watch that and you're like, look at these stupid guys going downtown and watch Describe the trailer. Describe what you, you watched. 
<laughs> it was fun. Hey, we got to watch the movie for free a year later, though. So that yeah, wasn't too, it wasn't a bad trade off. We got no. free IMAX tickets. Uh, what about you, Shay? In terms of my favorite hom- Comic Con moments, it was definitely yeah. the 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 one you know that Anthony just mentioned with that member of Superman. That was huge, in my opinion. Um, I look back to moments of, you know, when, when Marvel started to kind of also announce their slate and, you know, you got to see the Avengers, you got to see early footage for Captain America, which had just started shooting. So there's a lot of good moments. Um, man. Yeah. I think, I think Anthony took mine because that was probably (laughs) my favorite that, that to me was a huge moment. Everything else almost not pales in comparison at all. That's not what I want to say, but those moments are definitely great. But when you saw these two Titans kind of be announced, it, it was earth shattering was, was Ben was, was Ben announced at Comic-Con or he was just a tweet, right? Ben was announced. I believe the year, a year, uh, or later that year, because in August, right? Because I remember right. you were at Fan Expo, yes. And I messaged you, and I'm like, "Yo, Ben Affleck was just cast as Batman." Yeah. yeah so I think that was uh, a month later. Ben was cast. Yeah. Even last year was huge, I would say, because of Marvel's like because it was the end of the Avenger. Yeah. You know that, that, saga. that saga. You were you wanted to know what was next for the Marvel universe. I don't think it had the the like the wow moment like Batman vs Superman had because a lot of these characters and movies they weren't like oh I can't wait to see it but then you know um, you see a trailer for Black Widow I'm like oh yeah I want to watch that and we haven't really seen what Eternals looks like and Shang Chi and Doctor Strange and you got Thor and don't forget Christian Bale's in Thor. So who who? who oh my god, play? I keep forgetting. Um, yeah. So and then the end of last year's Comic Con being uh, Blade coming back and Mahershala taking over that um, mantle, which was pretty big. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to what they. I don't know. Are they going to be at this Comic Con? They Marvel, are not. No. They, Marvel's not going to be there, right? No. They're more about D23 now, which I think they've yeah. also delayed for two years now. Yeah, and they and it's crazy though because they had, they literally this was one of the times we came back when we were supposed to be on uh, break last summer. We had D twenty three drop a bunch of Marvel news too, so they literally had Comic Con and D twenty three last year that they were just firing on all cylinders. Um, and just to follow up on the Ben Affleck, so I'm I'm looking at a story from Justin Kroll, who we've obviously have had on the show a bunch of times. His stories from Variety. Ben Affleck is the new Batman. This is. This came out um, August 22nd, 2013. And so this was probably a month after Comic-Con at this point. And it says Batman Superman feature to hit theaters July 17th, 2015, which we all know it got delayed a year from that date. But uh, yeah, what a time, what a time the last few years have been at Comic-Con with Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For myself too, like looking back, I remember 2010, they were actually live streaming this conference where this is 2010 Iron Man two had just come out. They were just finished talking about Chris Evans as captain America just started shooting. And I remember watching Robert Downey jr. Come on stage with his super long hair. And obviously he was turning into a megastar, but he wasn't the Robert Downey jr. Yet. He wasn't, he wasn't Tony Stark embodiment yet. Um, he came on stage and he was basically just roll calling all the Avengers. 
and they dropped that teaser trailer with uh, Sam Jackson kind of doing the narration of like, uh, like um, there will come a time where like a day, like no other where like these heroes have to unite. Mm-hmm. And that I remember uh, like everyone just getting so hyped for that. And they an- announced Mark Ruffalo coming back as a Hulk. Oh, sorry. They said reprising his role as Bruce Banner, Mark Ruffalo. So everyone was just like, yeah, wait, what, mm-hmm. what do you mean? That's just, that's not what that means. First time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I remember that. And I remember 2016, just seeing the, the YouTube video of like Kevin Feige, just talking about Iron Man coming out. John Favreau was there and Louis, uh, Louis Leterrier was there talking about the incredible Hulk and Edgar Wright was talking Ant-Man. And, you know, somebody asked Kevin Feige, like, is there a possibility of us ever seeing the Avengers on screen? And he said, you know, it's, we'd want to see it. It's no coincidence. We have the rights to these characters, but well, like it depends if these movies are going to be successful or not. And I think a lot of people forget the position that Marvel was in, in the mid two thousands, you know, their biggest movies weren't being made by them. It was Fox with X-Men and it was Sony with Spider-Man. And they were the ones trying to make a universe around Iron Man, who nobody really cared about. Hulk already had a movie that kind of was known to be kind of like a failure at this point. And then Ant-Man people were just like, who like cares? And then they went on to have an insane success with Iron Man. And then it really started to make that universe explode and they got purchased by Disney. And now they're the biggest franchise on the planet, but they were really the underdogs when they first were getting going 15 Mm -hmm. years ago now. Yeah, because if you really think of it, it was such a it was a gamble. You know, there hasn't been a franchise like that ever built, other than on a single individual character. So now you're bringing in a universe, and it's it's the first of its kind, really. You got all these different superheroes who are going to end up in a movie together, and then tell this gigantic story. Like that's a huge gamble, especially for a studio to hopefully like make money on. And comic books weren't huge, even though like they're huge to us in the in the um, modern, you know, the, the grand scheme of people. Do they care about these characters? Will they want to watch these characters over and over again? And now we're now we're talking about man. There's too much comic book movies. Like there's every movie that's a you know huge is going to be comic book based, um, and then you kind of lose the originality of of just making other types of movies. Uh, but For yeah, sure, it's 100% true. When you if if I were to give you guys like your dream comic con scenario, so forget about what is going to what is what is potential to happen this year or next year, but forget everything and just create your dream comic con scenario. Anthony, what are you hearing in announcements? Like what are the announcements that you're making up here? Well, for me it would probably be X-Men and okay. we have an, a new Wolverine. We have a Wolverine hired or something like that. Like I would love to see the Marvel Disney version of X-Men um, and where they go and how that would look and who would direct and write. Um, yeah. Like I would also love to see um, other Marvel or other comic book storylines that are brought to, um, to the studio stand base where it's, it's not just uh you know, franchise, maybe like a single movie that would be mm-hmm. great. Like, be cool. for instance, Superior, which is like a, a Marvel um, comic, but it's done by their icon uh, comic line. 
which is written by Mark Miller and Nemesis. There's so many. There's so many. And they did a little bit with it with Kick-Ass, but now it's under Disney's realm. And Right. Um, other things, I would love to see like Matrix content. I just, it's hard to say because everything is, you know, at the, at the studio or at the Comic-Con, all these studios, they're, um, they're thinking up all these new ideas and new movies to come out and like, which one would be the best one? Uh, I still think Dark Knight would probably be like, my favorite. Dark Knight Dark Returns. Returns. Yeah, Dark Knight yeah. Returns. <laughs> hey, Daniel, what about yourself? Yeah, you know, X-Men, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. X-Men would be so dope. Um, just seeing what they're going to do and seeing their, maybe like, would they have just a phase of like, these are X-Men movies, like phase five is just going to be setting up that X- the X-Men world and fantastic four and played and like really trying to reinvent these characters that we know from movies in the past, but let's get them in like in front of a new audience now. Ah, oh, man, I would just honestly with DC fandom happening in August, like I know a lot of DC announcements are going to be there, but obviously nothing compares to hall h so maybe next year i would love to see dc come out and be like here is our film timeline this is what we're planning to do the batman is going to be the spearhead and this new dc universe we're going to be planning and we're going to have the spinoff show and we're going to have this person working on a su- i just want to see a superman movie announced honestly like seeing him in black adam like we spoke about earlier would be dope but man just 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 give me a superman movie to look forward to Mm. yeah how about you shay yeah i think uh you know x-men definitely was was definitely up there for me too for the longest time before mahershala was announced i all i really wanted a blade movie because i really enjoyed um the first blade film and even blade 2 so those were definitely i guess on my radar beyond that i'm trying to think of like what could be brand new and shocking and crazy um yeah it's pretty hard as, right yeah as, as as weird as it sounds i i wouldn't mind hearing rumors and this is gonna be controversial but i wouldn't mind hearing rumors or murmurs around a possible uh harry potter uh i guess you could say you know remake in a way i i know that it's still kind of fresh it's still kind of fresh in, in some in some aspects and very controversial with jk rowling but you know, there's technology has advanced so far and the world has changed so much. Imagine what we could do with another Harry Potter remake or, or redone. Um, also, I'd love to, I, not really a comic, but it always reminds me of a comic. I would love to hear if we actually get a Kill Bill Volume 3. Oh, that'd be dope. Do you think um, that would be a Comic-Con announcement, though? Like, do you think Quentin would show up to a Comic-Con to announce that? Because I feel like he's so into himself he wouldn't even want that. i think he would <laughs> yeah. just like just post I, it somewhere I, just tell him i think like, he could if he wanted to though like exactly. if he like because i think you would have an amazing like if they announced hey tarantino's gonna host host in a hall h panel i think people would show up for would it lose I think, their minds yeah you know um what were we just talking about before that harry potter, my, I, think, my, I, think harry potter. I think you're gonna comment on that i don't think we'll ever see a remake of harry potter like movie wise, I think we maybe animated series or side series, but I don't think we'll ever see a complete remake of the originals. I don't know why. I just feel like they're like, even like if we look at Jurassic Park, we look at Star Wars, they build out the universe, but they don't ever remake 
the f- the original trilogy. No, you know for, what I mean? No, for sure. But but I but I think that when it when it's an already established property in terms of, of books, like when even though Jurassic Park is based on a book, it's very loosely based on yeah. a book. Um, whereas Harry Potter, you you could, and I and I agree with you, Daniel. I don't, I don't think we're going to see a remake, but if they if they've had uh, inklings and rumors about doing a Back to the Future remake, I I don't throw this out of the equation. Then I'm like, oh man, any, anything is possible. Granted, do yeah. I want it? I, for me, I'd want a remake of maybe the last few movies because they don't hit it <laughs> hard for me. But, yeah, um, but like, but then yeah. you're gonna lose your cast, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the thing. So I just think Warner Brothers makes too much money right now off of those <laughs> original movies, still, mm-hmm. right? Like, no, they do. Harry Potter ended nine years ago now. Wow. And like they have Hogwarts, like Wizarding World of Hogwarts, like of of w- the Wizarding World at like Florida and Universal and right uh, and all the places. So I think they're still banking so much money off of it. I think they're just going to ride that wave oh, as easily. long as they can. Easily, Comic Con's so cool though. Like there's there's such amazing things that come out. Like we got the Top Gun trailer last year too at Comic Con. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. It's not even like a Comic Con type of like movie to release, yeah. but it's it's just pop it's culture. Changing, right? You think it's going to be like you think. Now that a lot of the studios are doing their own like presentation or event that they're going to pull from like the Comic Con experience, because it seems like it's better to do it as their own rather than wait for Comic Con to happen. Especially now and even in the future, uh, having that many people wait in line in the heat and and the smell, like you said, there's the smell <laughs> part of it. Yeah. No, go ahead, Daniel. No, no, I was gonna say no, you're I think I think it will change in the sense of we may see more studios go for their own events because I think they like having that marketing beat, but I don't know, there's nothing I don't think that compares to being in that Hall H panel with everyone, right? I, I look back to things like um when Apple pulled out of Macworld and kind of started doing their own um conferences and conventions and then i look at sony pulling out of e3 and doing their sony playstation experience and now you look at dc saying okay well we don't really have to do comic-con we can kind of do our own thing and same with disney they did d23 so i definitely do believe that it's a possibility that maybe comic-con will uh, start welcoming and opening the doors to other movie types um considering that we have gotten them before and that's why i don't throw that uh you know, Kill Bill Volume Three possibility at the door because it's totally something that we could hear. We could totally see that happen. So yeah, I I think that you know they're gonna have to kind of change or not necessarily change, but maybe uh, move around how their ideology works around it. Mm-hmm. I think on more online content or just having it be accessible to everyone is the future for for Comic Con to kind of stay alive especially now that everyone is um everyone is kind of at home waiting on the internet waiting for events imagine like if you went to an apple event and it was like yeah only you guys could see it because you're you lined up for a couple (laughs) of hours that would like that would piss me off as an investor it would piss me off as a, a fan yeah um it yeah like you some people can't make it and especially now you definitely can't make it so make it accessible to everyone yeah i think i think it just kind of goes back to a world before the internet right like comic-con started 
um oh my god like what year did comic-con start 1970 mm-hmm. so like this is it's like literally 50th year in operation so a lot of these announcements would happen at comic-con uh media would be there they'd write about it in magazines that would only come out a month or two from that day so like we're not we're not too far removed from there i mean even if we think 15 years ago that's a 15 years ago was a world without facebook without twitter without youtube and it's kind of like it was the year youtube came out but it's not youtube that we know today Mm. so like comic-con was there for these for the fans but also for these mega announcements that would be the only way they knew how to show it to people other than taking out a tv spot but when you think about that why would they release like a commercial on tv for a movie that's not going to be out for like two years from there right so like it's just it's just it's crazy to see how much it's iterated, but it's also one of those things that does it make the most sense in 2020 to have content made for an audience that no one else will be able to see it. So, mm. yeah. So before we kind of wrap up our, you know, Comic-Con discussion, is there anything you guys wanted to add about Comic-Con? Wear deodorant, you know, just yeah, wear deodorant. Sh- that's it. Make okay. it accessible. Make it accessible. <laughs> Make it accessible. Accessibility. I think luckily with this year's Comic Con at home, the only smell you have to worry about is your own, and it yeah. will be more accessible. So I guess that is kind of solved for us. <laughs> How about you, Shay? Any any uh, final thoughts on Comic Con? Uh, I I, I want to see the magic of it return. Uh, as much as you know, we got amazing announcements last year with with Marvel. Um, I still don't think anything has hit as hard as the the Dark Knight. Sorry. Um, Batman vs Superman because that was so out of left field and so mm-hmm. so just grand and amazing that I hope that with this year it being an online presence um, it doesn't take away from the magic of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked. So let me jump into our trivia question. Trivia. Tri- is that, the, <laughs> is that it? Is that what we're doing? Trivia. 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 No, we don't do that. <laughs> we'll uh, think of something eventually. So my question is related to Comic Con. Big surprise. Ah. Uh, what was the first Hollywood-based panel that took place at Comic Con? Was it A. Star Wars? B. Batman? C, Flash Gordon, or D, The NeverEnding Story? Ooh. That's a good one. Thank That's you. a very good one. I have no idea. Huh. I have no idea. I'm going to go with... Uh... <laughs> oh, man. It's hard. It's hard. Those... those, those uh... Those movies again, or those yeah. franchises? Yeah, when he used them in the uh, in their original form as well, or using yeah, the sentence. Yeah, just name those movies again. Yeah, so A Star Wars, B Batman, C Flash Gordon, or D The Neverending Story. I'm gonna say Batman. All right, I'm gonna say Batman too. I'm gonna say Batman. I'm gonna s- all right, Batman. Yeah. All right, all right. You guys are locked in. You guys are locked in. Star Wars. Oh, no, okay. Seven. Seven. And I don't think they were guys. Were, this is a trivia question that needs to be quick. <laughs> I'm going to be. Yeah, I'm going to say Batman too. Batman, Batman as okay. well. <laughs> All right. The answer is Star Wars. Oh damn it! Oh. 
That's all right. That was a good question. I I, I threw in some curveballs there with Flash Gordon and Neverending Story. I knew that they you would. Did. I knew that they would kind of uh, throw you guys off. So I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, yes. So that was our episode around Comic Con. Obviously, if you have ever been to Comic Con or you have amazing, you know, wild stories of your own, I know there's so much that we didn't touch on with when it comes to Comic Con. There have been moments where you know Twilight was a really big thing at Comic Con too, and it went ahead and against Avatar, for example. Those are some amazing moments that happen at Comic Con, and maybe you have your own memories of what you remember reading or you know looking forward to. And if you're looking forward to something for this year's Comic Con or you have your dream Comic-Con predictions as well, please send it on over to thistimewith.com slash talk. Let us know what you think of Comic-Con. And if maybe you didn't learn that much about Comic-Con today, what could we expand on further for you? Uh, is there anything you guys want to add before we close the show today? Uh, not not other than we'll be back next week with, I guess, whatever Comic-Con at home is going to be looking like. Mm, so yeah. excited to cover that. And we'll be we'll be smelling great too with our with our deodorant, I believe as well. <laughs> yes. So again, yes, next week we'll be we'll be talking about Comic Con. We'll be talking about all the big reveals and all the great things that'll happen. Again, head on over to thistimewith.com slash talk and let us know what you want to hear. Let us uh, give us some reviews. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, some criticism. Some lovely, lovely words of your of you. Um, <laughs> so again, that's this time with.com slash talk. And of course that was this time with the movie podcast. And we'll see you next.